0: The Crude Life with host Jason Speece.
1: Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. We got a fantastic program in store for you this week. We talk with Kevin Black from Credence Energy Services. He describes their expansion into the Permian Basin and their new acidizing service. Terry Edom joins us with the energy writer for the BoE report, also the author of the End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity. Discusses the rise of the environmentalism and the speed of the narrative against oil and gas. Dr. Lauren C. Scott, economist and energy expert, discusses the issues of solar, wind, and how natural gas pertains in the economy, politics, and consumerism. Plus, our weekly Davis Refinery update from William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. Plus, much, much more on today's episode of The Crude Life We Can Review. Music you're hearing today is by the Moody River Band. Of course, we like to partner with local singer-songwriters and bands to give them some good uh, publicity, as well as them giving us some good music to go in and out of breaks to. And the Moody River Band, of course, the links are available at com if you'd like to support and buy their music. Let's get into our first interview here, Kevin Black with Credence Energy Services.
2: Right now, we're mainly looking for the professional driving positions.
1: And how about down to the Permian? You mentioned expansion. Uh, are you guys just opening up an office down there? Are you already down there? Talk to me about the move.
2: Yeah, so we, uh, we have a facility and a yard down in Texas. Um, we have a team set up uh, down there. So uh, we're really just uh, dipping our toe in the water, so to speak. But we anticipate things to get off to a quick start down there as well.
1: Well, for those folks in Texas that might not be familiar with you and perhaps are listening via the technological wave of the internet or maybe they're driving up in the five-state radio region that we have. But uh, talk to us a little bit about your services, what you do, what kind of customers that you guys are looking for. Uh, Give yourself a little bit of an introduction for those Texas folks who may not know you.
2: Yeah, you bet. So Credence is uh, an oil and gas production chemical company. Uh, The best way to think of what we do is we're like the doctors and the pharmacists of the oil field. Uh, We specialize in uh, mineral scale uh, remediation and prevention, as well as corrosion prevention. Uh, Those are really the two areas we focus in. And down in Texas specifically, we started up our mineral scale deposition uh, remediation program, otherwise known as acidizing. Uh, that's a fancy way of of talking about acidizing services so uh, that is what we're focusing on uh, right now in the permian Uh, but over time we'll be transitioning into offering a a full suite of production chemicals as well
1: what's acidizing services
2: so uh, wells over time uh, produce well they produce three things oil water and gas and over time uh, the water which is packed with minerals those minerals have a tendency to precipitate out onto the pipe um, much like or if you never were to clean your uh, drain on your shower, that white scum will build up over time. That, that's a scale deposit, essentially. The same thing will happen in an oil well to the point where the pipe will actually completely plug off and you won't be able to produce that pipe. Um, we've developed really a one-of-a-kind uh, pumping system that can go out to these wells and very safely and very efficiently um, pump down a, a blend of different products to actually dissolve that mineral scale and remove it from the pipe and return that well to production.
1: Tell you, some of the technology you guys are coming up with out in the fields, amazing. Um, how many products are you guys slinging around over there?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we have really an endless a uh, number of of chemistries different chemistries that, as much. that we sell um, yeah the, the formulations are, that's one advantage we have is that we can very quickly respond to the needs of our customers and adjust our formulations to the specific problems that we see in the in, in, on a particular well that's given us a huge advantage to be um very solution driven and, and like i said very responsive because in the oil field time is money and uh that's that's how we've built our whole business model around is make providing high quality and quick solutions to our
3: customers.
1: I suppose that kind of people forget that uh, a lot of this stuff has to be really specific to every you know square foot out there. It can change that quick.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, while there's certain um, common themes across the oil field from a from a chemical analysis perspective, each well is different. Um, and each well can have its own set of challenges, um, and it's really important to have um, essentially the adaptability to be able to respond accordingly to what that well needs. And with our lab in Williston, we are, we are able to have a very quick turnaround time in terms of analyzing the, the brine properties, and then from there, modeling that, that brine to predict the corrosion scale tendencies And this is getting very probably boring and technical, but at the end of the day, it allows us to make sure we are getting a custom solution to the customer and at the end of the day, preventing wells from failing and optimizing their production.
1: Kevin Black, President, Credence Energy Services, kind of wrapping up here a little bit, unless there's Anything else that uh, we wanted to chat about? We want to get you on the horn, talk about your expansion into Texas, and of course, we heard you guys were growing so so much. We had to hear about your new hires. So uh, just kind of wrapping up a little bit here, give you the final word. Anything we missed? Anything you want to reiterate? Just kind of the uh, floor is yours, sir.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks again, Jason, for having me on your program. Um, again, we are we're it's very exciting time, I think, to be in the oil field right now. And we're, we're thrilled to be what we're doing, what we're doing at Credence. But to do that, we need a great team. And, uh, we have a great team already, but that team needs to grow. And so if there's anybody out, uh, in Western North Dakota who, uh, is looking to join a fast paced company, um, a very team oriented company, if you've got an appetite to learn and contribute, um, we're looking for exactly those types of people again. We are hiring uh, delivery driver positions. They're CDL class a B and C positions with hazmats If you have those credentials, that's great. If you don't we're willing to train uh, But at the end of the day we're looking for great individuals and uh, we're hiring so please visit our website wwwcredence energy Dot com and click on the careers link and you can apply there.
1: And that was Kevin Black with Credence Energy Services. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. make energy great again yes that is the hat for the energy industry folks wear it proudly show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration make energy great again pick up the only hat for the energy industry make energy great again visit keepenergygreat.com that's keepenergygreat.com Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Terry Edom, an energy writer for the BOE Report and an author with the end of the fossil fuel insanity and also blogger for Public Energy Number 1. This is Terry Edom.
5: It's, it's, it's astonishing that the whole trajectory of the world is changing in, in this time frame. It's like you're saying. I read a uh, FERC uh, allowed... Um, the expansion of or the creation of several LNG export facilities on the Gulf Coast. And, and part of their criteria, the thing they were concerned about in the future, was the impact of climate change of allowing any more of these facilities. And this is natural gas we're talking about now. So. And six months ago, that was unheard of. So you're right, it's just changing at warp speed. And I, I think the this narrative, it, it's like a mania to me, or religion, like you said, that's just gripped the world. And it's just a, a self... Feeding thing now you have people in Europe groups um, extinction rebellion this group I read about that's just sitting down in the middle of the street and blocking the streets off and it's just uh, it's accelerated like nothing I've ever seen.
1: So I I'm haven't really followed the presidential campaign, which I probably Mm -hmm. won't. Uh, being a non-political program—that's one. Of, that's one of the beauties that we can have. We tried to do politics um, for a little bit. We sent an intern in, and a half hour later, from watching all this, the 24-hour news shows, he came back a 90-year-old man. So we 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 decided not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it just sucked the life right out that's of him, like a baby. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it would. Are Are Bernie Sanders or um, Elizabeth Warren even saying what the solution would be, or are they just finger pointing? Saying you know, let's just ban it. Do do you know? Because I I haven't seen any solutions or heard of any solutions. Well, I think that's
5: the the key turning point for us as an industry is that you you're onto something there. Is that they have no solutions? I think they're just trying to reflect this wave of opinion that's just taking over. You have everyone talking about climate change; it's everywhere and um, and but it's it's just gone too far too fast, and there's nothing that can be done about in the short term and we saw that up in canada here we've had a couple of governments that got put in place that were green greenish or green leaning anyways and um their tone changes once they get in power we had that in alberta here that once once you actually have to run the show then then and someone hands you the keys and says okay you want it to go green well make it happen and then when they actually have to deal with that and realize oh well do i want to wipe out existing industries do i want to rewire the country at an unknown cost Uh, when they're faced with those actual challenges, then they kind of slink back away from from the claims that they're making, which is, I suspect, what's happening with your candidates here. They're trying to make political hay by by talking the talk that is all part of the news narrative right now. And it's everywhere, like uh, climate change. Obviously, the discussion is... er, Every discussion hinges on climate change. Now, it's become a joke almost about everything you see that has a negative impact is climate change. And, excuse me, they're just riding that wave, so... I could see why they're doing it. Uh, when push comes to shove, if they ever get in your power, I don't think that they would stand by it.
1: Where's the media? You know, you and I work in the media. Um, I'm I'm in the third world of media, so I mean, there's there are in you know any. I'm fine. I got my niche. I'm I'm very happy. I found my place in the media. Um, but you know, we're not we're not Fox News, we're not MSNBC, we're not CNN, we're not NBC, CBS, Viacom, whatever you name it, we're not one of the big guys. How are they allowing this um, narrative to even be there? I mean, I, I said this in my last interview that, you know, every year you got some crazy presidential candidates, you know, maybe the guy that wears a Merlin hat and he wants to, you know, legislate dragons. To me, that's... Almost as sane as trying to ban oil and gas. I mean, that is how crazy that statement is. That it should be in there with dragon legislation. How come the media isn't? How, how are they allowing this? You know what I mean? Is it just kind of? Is it really the Kardashians keeping up with the Joneses that kind of dictates everything, or what? I'm just astounded. I'm just astounded. Well,
5: I'm, I'm, just astounded. It, well I, I'm astonished too, and it's a bit through um, for any of your your audience old enough to remember the dot com boom or the housing boom um and it just seems to be these manias where they just lose any their feet leave the ground and they just start floating in the wind with the, the tide of opinion i remember in the housing boom in the u.s reading these articles from um websites which were running counter to the narrative and they were saying like this is insane like you can't be giving mortgages to people with no jobs and no income and it was happening before everyone's eyes and and, and a few people. And we feel like that now, I think, looking in at this madness going, this, you can't be serious about this, but it happened. And then it blew up. Inevitably, these things blow up. And it was the same with the dot-com movement in the late 90s when, when kids, 15-year-old kids would start a website and sell it for $2 bucks, And that, this was happening all over, and this is the new age. And then it just kind of blew up. And this is gonna blow up too because like you say it's it's just not feasible. You can't you can't replace fossil fuels in any time frame. You can want to and you can start working towards it and you can promote energy efficiency measures and whatnot, but the, the pace that this has just picked up is just I I think it's just media's kind of lost its mind. They're just going with the flow, which is being pushed by the the people behind it, there's, they claim to have like 100,000 scientists that have signed on. They've, they've captured the market on any kind of academic studies and um, they, they just, they're pushing out this material at an outrageous pace. There's this really funny uh, Twitter feed that got sent around last week. Um, some wise guy on Twitter, or woman I think it is, she compiled a, a list of headlines from around the world about all of the places that claim to be warming faster than the global average. And it's almost every region on Earth. Every <laughs> every country claims to be warming anywhere from two to ten times faster than than the global average. And it's just this page after page of these headlines, and it just makes you laugh after a while. And, and then some climate scientists jumped in and said, oh, well, that's, of course, countries... Warm faster, land warms faster than the ocean, so that explains it. And then this this wise guy on Twitter put up a bunch of more headlines that said, "Well, the Pacific Ocean is warming 15 times faster than previously thought, and the Indian Ocean, and all of these oceans." So if you step back and you look at the, if you add up, if you have the time, and you can analyze this media narrative, it's just completely gone bonkers. But people are buying into it because they think it gets votes. So
1: it's just it's amazing that uh, the media. Allows it, like I said. To me, the when you take a step back and listen to somebody utter the sentence, "We're going to ban drilling," that is as crazy as dragon legislation. It is just.
5: It is. Sir. It is. I mean, I
1: I I feel stupid saying it. I actually feel like I'm I'm being judged for saying such a ridiculous comment because I I, I just when I heard that I actually stopped and just stared and went. Well, I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> no,
5: it, it is too absurd for words, and, and part of the problem circles back to what you said earlier about you want to be non-political or apolitical, which is a, a wise move. Um, but people keep wanting to make this energy thing political, so they 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 haul politics into it, and they've tied fossil fuels to certain um, agenda. In the political sphere and even the united nations has done this they said that climate change is a fight against global poverty and social welfare around the world so so they're they're making it political and and that's why you get people that know nothing about energy who are saying we have to shut down drilling and and but they're not responsible for it and you can say anything you want you can say let's go solve world hunger next week and that's a great idea but how are you going to do it and that's why no one says that because it can't happen but for some reason, these people still believe that they can say that and that the media just keeps reinforcing it because you read stories about how wind and solar have taken over and they're dominating. They're not even close. They're like uh, several percentage of the load. And it's just when conditions are right that they are useful. And most of the time they're not useful. So but but the media narrative would lead you believe otherwise. Um, I just did a Google search for an article I was reading or writing. And um, if you Google search uh, wind energy, you come up with like. 500 million hits and solar energy is like 600 million fossil fuels is 80 million so so those wind and solar are, are like five times the coverage in the media yeah. even though they're like one fraction it's, it's inverted the attention that they're getting relative to what they contribute and, and it, it just goes it's, around, it's across the world like you say the infrastructure that's in place for for petroleum especially but fossil fuels also like how, how do you go about rewiring that and we've talked about this before it just it can't be done by any logical person if you ask an engineer how you would do it you just get a blank stare too It's like talking about dragons just like you're
1: mentioning and that was terry Edom, energy writer and author to listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews visit the crude that's the crude com. My name is Jason Speece, and this is The Crude Life We Can Reveal.
5: If we were pigs, we are kind of
0: like that, we're
5: kind of
3: like that, girl. we kind of like that, we kind of like
1: Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's Mm keepenergygreat.com. back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Dr. Lauren C. Scott, energy expert and economist.
3: The advantages that natural gas has over wind and solar, as I see it. Uh, number one is we've got plenty of it. Uh, the nice thing about natural gas is it's always there. It's the one constant. you got plenty of it going to be there. Whereas the wind does not always blow and the sun does not always shine. And uh, when the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine, which typically happens at the very time you need the wind to blow and the sun to shine, is uh, you, have to, you have to have a backup. And that backup is always going to be uh, natural gas-fired power plants. I and mean, there's, there's just other things that that, other, that the people who promote this just, just grossly ignore. One is that wind and solar take up huge amounts of land i mean you have to cut down lots of trees to put in uh, a solar facility you know especially the states in the southeast that are very wooded you know in the west is not so bad but in the southeast you got to cut down a lot of trees and it's amazing if you're cutting down trees for wind and solar you know there's no hue and cry about spotted owl uh habitat going away or bird habitat going they don't care in those particular cases, which brings us to in, in the case of wind, people, uh, the, the, the environmentalists totally ignore the bird kill. I mean, the bird kill on on the on, on wind is just astonishing. The the uh, Ottoman Institute looked at just one canyon, uh, Colorado. Uh, can, uh, excuse me, California. It's called it the Amada Canyon. I believe that's right. And that one canyon. Kill something like four thousand birds a year, and it's very indiscriminate. You know, you got you got golden eagles in there, you got raptors in there, not just sparrows and other birds that you you might not really care about. So the the wind and solar folks get away with a lot, simply because they're renewable, and I, I think that's that's a side that needs to be spoken about a whole lot more than it is.
1: Let me ask you about the wind. Wind programs reclamation. Uh, last I checked, it's been a number of years, but my understanding was is they really didn't have a cohesive or very, very very good uh, reclamation program. So a lot of those farmers are just going to have those wind turbines sitting there long after their expiration date.
3: Well, there's that. Plus, I think a lot of farmers who uh, who bought into that also discovered something else, and that is that living close to 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 uh, wind turbines is not a particularly happy thing to go through. I mean, they are not quiet. Uh, there is a hum that's associated with them that is, that is nerve-wracking to many people, and that has been a problem as well. And so, and it's just not all nice, you know, where I'm from, I'm actually from the Permian Basin, I'm from West Texas. And out there, you don't have to worry about trees, and you don't have to worry about birds so much. There's not any hardly any birds because it's so, such much a desert uh, area so it's okay the problem is you keep coming back to this and that is the the wind doesn't blow all the time in particular the wind doesn't blow so much in in june and july june july and august it's just not real constant like it is the rest of the times of year and that's the very time you need to be generating electricity to run our air conditioners and they haven't figured out the storage problem yet uh when it comes to electricity generated by wind and solar and uh, until they do that uh, they've just got it's going to still remain, I think, almost a single-digit part of our, of our electricity grid.
1: How about when it comes to solar? Um, of course, solar, a lot of people think it's a great renewable as well. Some of the things that I've looked at is, of course, the, the mining when it comes to creating the batteries that are behind. Sure. Uh, is is a little bit more like that your bird your your bird issue reminded me of the issues with solar, which are kind of counterintuitive too. And this goes all the way back to the paper and plastic bag argument. When people started realizing that uh, paper bags were worse for the environment than plastic ones, because paper ones not only are you cutting the trees down, but now you got to use all of this other energy in order to create. The pulp and the paper and the bags etc cetera, etc cetera. that's what i see happening on the solar side of things is is you know is are, between the production and the, and the lithium mines and everything else wh- what are some of the issues that you see with solar those are the ones that i see they're not up to up to par but um ours there are other disadvantages to solar that you see
3: well i mean th- th- again to me the main things if you want to do solar anywhere of the, the desert areas of the united states um, you, if you want to do it say in the southeastern part of the United States or the northeastern part, just the eastern part of the United States in general, you've got to cut down a, a humongous amount of trees. You've got to destroy a lot of forests in order to start meaningfully generating a lot of, uh, of uh, uh, electricity by way of solar. And Of course, that's also the area of the country that quite often is cloudy. Uh, and for sure, the sun only sounds half the time of the year uh and and also if you read some of the literature on the bird kill associated with uh with solar there's quite a bit of that too because what you're doing is you're taking those those mirrors and you're reflecting it into one place and if the birds fly through that place it's like being zapped i mean they just get zapped as they fly through that area so um to me we keep kind of coming back Uh, to when it comes to solar your fuel costs are almost free but there's a whole lot of stuff that is not free and the bird kill the destruction of forest area um, the fact that you can't store it yet they haven't figured out a way to do that what that means is you always have to have a coal-fired power plant not really uh, excuse me a natural gas-fired power plant as a backup when the wind doesn't blow, the sun doesn't shine, which means ultimately you're still gonna have to you're still gonna have to pay for that that gas powered power plant. And it's it's just not clear to me that in the long run this is a good plan.
1: Well and that's why I keep going back to this the the, the crazy argument for natural gas subsidies because it just seems like no matter how you slice and dice it, whether you're talking about coal Or whether you're talking about natural gas, I'm sorry, uh, wind or solar, it just seems like that natural gas has to be there as the fail safe as the safety net. And right now we've got such an abundance, like you were saying, it's trading on a negative dollar value down there in the Permian because of there's so much of it. But then I just see all these, you know, these capitalists that are, you know, the one guy, there's some crazy guy up in Canada using natural gas to mine bitcoins. I don't even know how that works, but good for him, you know? And then you got these other guys trying to convert it into liquid natural gas and other guys trying to turn it into batteries and everything. I just see where, you know, solar and wind has really had, you know, no pun intended, but they've had their day in the sun and their advancements are, are, you know, less than, stellar they 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 they, yeah, they well, promised uh, they'd be further along
3: yeah yeah i think that's true now what however what is going on is that if you go to any, but any of your utility firms the people who are actually generating electricity they are just under immense political pressure to switch to more renewables i mean it is it is very very it is a very very strong and powerful political force on them so they're doing it anyway I mean, they're going to they're gonna switch to it, even though there are issues associated with um, uh, reliability, associated with other aspects of, of the, all the things that you and I have been talking about that are negative. They are still being uh, politically pressured uh, to, uh, uh, to uh, do that, to, to switch to uh, renewables. So I, I think it's a march that's going to continue on, and uh, I think it's going to be slow, because people are gonna find out about the cost of it, especially the utility cost of it. So I think there's gonna be there's just gonna be a problem there down the line.
1: Yeah, it'd be nice to see you just kinda of iron out a little bit and instead of trying to you know, say everything's for this, maybe you just figure out the pockets they're good for. I mean, you know, farmers figured out a pretty good use for wind a long time ago and Solar power mm-hmm. seems to power up cell phones and batteries, pretty mm-hmm. you know, the, the smaller type things. And so maybe, mm-hmm. may, maybe that's just more of the conversation: is is how, after twenty years of pretty good R and D, what is wind and solar actually used for, and mm-hmm. how can we best maximize it? And and admit maybe some of these things are wrong. But anyway, that's. Well, I, I mean, I, yeah.
3: I, will, I will tell you: you've probably figured it out the number of times you and I've talked before is that i'm kind of a a very market-oriented economist and so my position is uh we we try to keep the government as much out of this as possible and let the market work it out. And in, 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 in smart, clever, greedy capitalists will figure out, you know, exactly how much wind and solar should be in there. If it really is a net positive addition to our electricity grid, smart, clever, greedy capitalists will figure that out, just like smart, clever, greedy capitalists have figured out how to get oil out of the ground in North Dakota and get it out of the ground even when the price of oil sometimes drops as low as $30 a barrel. They know how to do that profitably because they're they're cl- they're smart, they're clever, they're they're motivated by pro- the you know by the profit motive, and that is a very very powerful motive. And to the extent that the profit motive will bring in wind and solar, let it do it, but keep the subsidies out. of The picture, in my opinion.
1: And that was Dr. Lawrence C. Scott, energy expert and economist. To listen to the full length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Speece. This is The Crude Life We Can Reveal.
0: Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. With construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken.
4: I totally agree with you. And the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts.
1: make energy great again yes that is the hat for the energy industry folks wear it proudly show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration make energy great again pick up the only hat for the energy industry make energy great again visit keepenergygreat.com that's keepenergygreat.com Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, our weekly Davis Refinery update. William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, gives an update on the Davis Refinery being constructed in the Bakken oil fields near Belfield, North Dakota.
6: Yeah, that's, that's been an ongoing story and a, and a very interesting one to, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer by training, so I get very excited about what we're going to do and, uh, uh our, our team is, is very, very uh, first-rate, um, industry-wide. Um, these are guys who didn't want to do things the same old way. Uh, this started during the permit process. I, I think a lot of people were confused by the fact that we got very excited about what we were going to be doing on air quality, uh, even after we filed the first uh, uh, generation of our air quality permit application. And in fact, we came back in uh, uh, in April of 2017 with an amended application that showed reduced emissions. We're so excited about what we are able to achieve on the engineering side. And this is just a matter of the fact that nothing like this has been done in 40 years. Uh, Last full conversion refiner was built in 76, I think it was. And there's just been a lot of technology developed that hasn't been applied comprehensively in a project like this yet. So obviously we were excited about that. Uh, the permit was was granted based on that new engineering. And although we were very conservative uh, in in doing this, we were able to achieve a synthetic minor source designation for the plant, uh, which again was a first in the industry oil well, and gas journal called it uh, historic. And since then, when we get into the details of design, as we've been doing for the last uh, six months, uh, we're going to be able to do even better uh, in actual uh, practice. Uh, so, you know, our, our ability to uh, surpass even what we've committed to in the air quality permit is, is just, uh, we're amazed by that, and, and we're very proud of it. Uh, and it's not just the performance of the project. I mean, you know, good engineering would guide you down this route anyway. When oil is worth a dollar a barrel, like it was over 100 years ago, uh, your attitude towards wasted hydrocarbons is different than it is at 60 $70. So good engineering does not like waste. Those are all hydrocarbons that are worth money. But uh, the fact that they get out into the air is not something that uh, we want to see, because we think the industry needs to redo itself and become uh, proficient in, in building plants that can be put exactly where they're needed, you know, not kicked down the road uh, to where pollution is theoretically more, more uh, uh, allowable, uh, which is kind of strange to think that way. But that's the way industry has been handled in this country today. Um, so, yeah, you, you've touched on a hot button. I'm, I'm really excited about the technology and what we're doing here.
1: Well, I think it's the, obviously the big story. My, my uh, first story I actually did back in 2012 was the Bakken oil boom is not an oil boom. It's a technology boom. And, you know, it, obviously it's driven by oil, but there is so much truth behind that, that it's a technology boom. It's still every day, creating new opportunity through innovation. And that's that's really exciting. But the other side of this that isn't talked about, because the air quality uh, permitting seems to t- t- take up a lot of, um, uh, you know, media time, if you will, and, you know, the innovation and, and some of these things, but the sustainability on the back end uh, kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit from time to time. Let's talk about that, about how this is going to be something that's going to be sustainable after it's built.
6: Well, it, yeah, the, the threshold energy to get this project in operation has been tremendous. I mean, uh, but once you get it going, it will feed innovation throughout the industry um, and, and lead to a refining industry in the United States that has dramatically lower emissions and much higher efficiency and lower cost. Uh, you know, what you mentioned about oil production, uh, the shale oil revolution uh, causing a boom and, and new innovation and uh, is absolutely true. And it has to work its way down through the rest of the industry uh, all the way to the pump. And, you know, we consider ourselves part of that, that larger uh, revolution, if you will. And part of the story there, you know, is... Uh, you know, like you were talking about back when you first covered it in 2012, they boom time. But if we recall, you know, when the price of oil took a dive uh, for several years, um, innovations didn't stop. Those innovations continue to pace. And suddenly the oil production industry faced with adversity came up with even better solutions to various problems and became even more efficient and those efficiencies and innovations have carried through into uh, in a more stable environment. And you know, same is true of our of our uh, refinery, you know, it's, it's a new kind of, uh, of integration of, of technology. But when you look at what the industry is facing, including the uh, recent uh, uh, explosion over in the Pennsylvania refinery, and then the decision to shut that down, uh, you know, we're looking at aging plant and equipment throughout the United States devoted to refining a different kind of oil uh, coming out of the Bakken and the Permian, and it's not well suited to that, and that plant and equipment is kind of grown and along, and it needs to be replaced and updated. Uh, so yeah, sustainability is, is something that I think we'll, we'll be able to easily achieve because it's going to be the way of the future.
1: And that was William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, giving an update on the Davis Refinery being constructed in the Bakken oil field. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank Terry Edom, energy writer and author, as well as Kevin Black with Creedence Energy Services, and Dr. Lauren C. Scott, energy expert and economist, as well as William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, for joining us on today's The Crude Life Week in Review. All of our interviews are available at CrudeLife.com. Plus, we have merchandise, t-shirts like Just Frack It and Keep Calm and Frack On. Plus, of course, we'd like to give a shout out to the Moody River Band. The music that you're listening to here is by the Moody River Band and We love it. They're singer-songwriters independent, so we try to support them as much as we can. And if you are a singer-songwriter, you have a local band that produces original music, feel free to reach out and email me, Jason, at com. We'd love to showcase some of your music and let people know how they can pick it up. So go to thecrudelife.com, click on the Moody Rivers album cover, and that'll bring you right to where you need to purchase that music. From the staff here at the Crude Life Weekend Review, my name is Jason Spees asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com.
0: Historic.